hitting life's issues with heaven's perspective. Hi, I'm Amanda Hall and I want to encourage you with this podcast. I'm going to just start dropping one new podcast a week. It might be um, from a service that we have at our church, Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois, or something I just sit down. It might be joined um, by a guest, but I'm changing it up from when I started this podcast in May and I'm glad you're joining me. I don't want you to drown in the circumstances around your life. I don't want you to drown in the difficulties that are happening in this world and the darkness that seems to be growing uh, darker and invading so many areas in life. I'm telling you, God's thoughts are not our thoughts and God's ways are not our ways, but we can connect with heaven's perspective for every issue that we have in life. Enjoy this podcast. Hallelujah. We bless you, Father. We thank you so much for this great night. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your anointing. Hallelujah. And the power of your word. And as we bring uh, this series on to know and flow with the Holy Spirit to conclusion tonight, there's so much more, but I sensed uh, by the Holy Ghost that I was supposed to close it off here And we just thank you for everything you've taught us. I thank you, Father, for those that have written books that detail the gifts of the Holy Ghost um, very well and in such a way that's easy to understand. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for fresh revelation, uh, fresh eyes to see things maybe we haven't seen before about knowing and flowing with you, Holy Spirit. How important it is for this season and this hour that we live in, that we know you, Holy Spirit, and we know how to flow with you, that we know your voice, we know how to be led by the Spirit, how to walk uh, with the Spirit, how to keep in step with the Spirit in this day and in this hour. So as we dive into the Word tonight, I thank you, Lord, that you are going to transform us and transfigure us, that we're going to a new level tonight by your Word and by your Spirit. At the entrance of your Word comes light. So we thank you, Lord, comes revelation light tonight as we dive into your Word. Father, grant to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation by having the eyes of our hearts flooded with light so that we can come to know and understand what your rich inheritance is in us and so that we can come to know and understand what is the immeasurable, the unlimited, and the surpassing greatness of your power that is at work within us who believe. Hallelujah. That same power which you exerted in your mighty strength when you raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him at your own right hand far above every power and principality and name that is named in this earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you glory that that same spirit and power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Hallelujah. And you're quickening us, quickening our mortal bodies to divine health. Hallelujah. And you're quickening these uh, minds to divine revelation and knowledge. And we thank you, Holy Ghost, for being our supernatural teacher here tonight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. All right. So tonight I want to talk about, like I said, I'm, I'm going I'm to conclude this. We, this is the 
part eight of to know and flow of the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk about what is in a gift. And at the end of this, I'm just going to kind of give a brief um, small definitions for each one of the nine gifts um, according to um, Dr. Lester Sumrall in his book called The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to share a little bit, just a brief little bit on the more on the gift of faith. From this book, The Gift, uh, Good, Better, and Best, The Gift of Faith, Gifts of the Spirit, Volume 2, from Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. It's, it's a really, really good book. Um, and he draws on teaching from Dr. Lester Summerall as well as uh, Howard Carter, who Dr. Lester Summerall learned much of what he knew about the gifts of the Spirit and stuff from him. And so it's just phenomenal, you know. And so... Um, but I want to talk about what is in a gift. Now, I've heard evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth say this, and, and I tend to agree with him. He said, the greatest gift God gave to the world is Jesus Christ. The greatest gift God gave to the church is the Holy Spirit. Do you agree? I agree, right? Jesus said, look, I got to go to the Father, because if I didn't go, then we couldn't send you the Holy Ghost, which you're going to need. <laughs> Right? He's going to remind you of everything I've taught you. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to tell you things which are to come. Right? And, and so he was like, I've got to go because the Holy Spirit has got to come. Jesus, while he walked this earth, though he was God, he walked fully as man. So um, he couldn't be um, omnipresent <laughs> as a man. Right? The Holy Ghost is omnipresent. <laughs> so I love that statement. The greatest gift God gave to the world is Jesus Christ. And the greatest gift God gave to the church is the Holy Spirit. So what is in a gift? And here's a truth that we must know and understand. A gift is not earned, it's received. A gift is not earned, it's received, right? You don't earn a gift. People give you a birthday gift you know, um, a Christmas gift. It's not because it, they give you a gift and you your only response should be thank you and you should take that gift, right? Amen. And so it's not earned, it's received. And every gift in life is like that. As there was nothing that you or I could actually do to earn the gift of salvation, there's actually nothing you or I can do to earn the gift of the, of, of the Holy Ghost either. It's a gift. As we received God's grace for salvation through faith, we received God's gift of His Spirit through faith. It's a receiving, it's not an earning. Right? That, and that's an important truth to understand about what is in a gift. It's not earned. It's received. And too many times, Christians today, and many things in in. In God that we that we find that we have in Christ, people are trying to earn it when He already paid for it and it's already yours. I don't know if you remember Sherry, because I don't exactly remember when it was. Oh, I do remember. It was is it was the last weekend of our 21 day fasting and prayer, and then I mentioned it on, on that Sunday. We had overflow weekend on that Sunday. I mentioned one of the things that God said on that Saturday night. And prayer was, don't be like the elder brother to the prodigal son. And then he expounded on that. 
He, everything his father owned belonged to him and he could have access to it at any time, but never asked for it and never used it. And then when his younger brother comes home from his escapades, living out in the world like an utter heathen, his dad throws him a party and the older brother gets mad about it. And his father's like, I don't know what your malfunction is, Amanda's interpretation, you know, everything I had is yours. You could use it at any time. And that's what, that's what the Lord said, said to me and said to us as a church that, that night on our overflow weekend, don't be like the elder brother to the prodigal son. Because I've already provided you those things. So receive them. How do we receive anything in Christ? Through faith. Just like we receive the gift of salvation through faith. Just like we receive the gift, the baptism of the Holy Ghost in faith. Anything that we need in Christ is, fa- is, is received by faith. Amen. And faith causes anything that we hope for to come into reality. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we got to have hope, Right. We have to have a hope. We have to have an imagination. We got to dream big dreams, God dreams, so that we got something to bring to, to substance. If we don't have any hopes, we can't, there's nothing for faith to work on, <laughs> right? And so, but that's that reality that there's nothing that we could do to earn the gift of salvation. There's nothing that we could do to earn the gift of the Spirit. Just as we receive God's grace for salvation through faith, we receive God's gift of His Spirit through faith. With that understanding, though, let's just consider a couple things. Because this is where people get a little confused in, in a Christian faith. Where they, wanna, they tend to move towards a doctrine of works. Or a doctrine of unsanctified grace. Or what we call greasy grace or... Whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like one direction or the other oftentimes. I wasn't sure how exactly to, <laughs> to say that. So, so let's just think of this. We couldn't earn salvation, right? But when we're saved, we're saved with a purpose. And we're saved through our faith in God's grace and the work that he accomplished on the cross through Jesus, right? There's nothing you and I could have done to earn forgiveness of our sins. And not just forgiveness of our sins, but the washing away that God doesn't even and can't even remember them. And he took all the guilt and shame with it too. There's nothing. We could we can never pray enough, attend church enough, pay penance enough, pay enough, give enough offerings, you know, do enough good deeds to ever, ever do that. But his salvation that we obtain is the grace that he gives us and that technically that word grace is a, a divine influence or divine power upon the heart and its reflection in the life. So grace has a reflection. Grace produces something, right? So we live um, a certain way. Same way when in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is scripture we've been doing all the whole time, we've been studying about um, the Holy Ghost to know and to flow with the Holy Ghost, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. But there's a purpose for that power. What is that purpose? So that you might be witnesses to me unto, you know, uh, Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth, right? And so the problem with many Christians is they want to receive, but they don't realize when you receive, you got to do something with it, right? 
And so we're saved by grace through faith, and faith without works is dead. So we're not saved through works, but if we're really saved, we're saved unto good works. We're going to do works, right? Because we're recreated, born again, born anew in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and, and verse 10, to do those good works which God prepared beforehand for us to do, right? And so the power of the Holy Ghost isn't just there so we can right? That's not just there for that. Though to talk to many Holy Ghost people, that's what they think it's there for. Well, if that, if that doesn't do something other than you know what I mean? Then it's pointless, right? It's, it's, it, it's power, power. It's power. Power for us to walk free from sin. Power that infuses our prayer life, right, with, with a supernatural dynamite and power to literally preach, right, um, and tell others about Jesus. So when we think that you, we can't earn salvation and we can't earn the baptism in the Holy Ghost, but let's consider this, just a small thing. A few years ago, a friend of mine got me this blow dryer brush. So it's a blow dryer and a styling brush all in one, okay? It's a really great gift, all right? And I really, really like it. So it pushes heat and air at varying temperatures through my hair so I can dry it and style it all at the same time, which is good for somebody, you know, like if you go to the hair salon, you look great when you come out. And then you try to do that at home and like, it don't look nothing like that, right? Because they're, they're over the top of you. They can see it the same. But your arms are like this, you know, or whatever. So the blow drying brush is great because it's like two things in one. And I can blow dry my hair and style it at the same time. It's an amazing gift. But you know what? If I didn't have an electrical outlet that had electricity flowing to it, that gift, though it's amazing and useful and helpful that it is, would be useless. I could have the gift, but if I don't have anything to get power to it, to, to flow through it, it's a useless gift, right? Think, now that's one gift. That Jeep out there, and this is a little bit bigger thing, that Jeep out there was given to, to me. I was blessed with it in October, Right? And so it's been a great blessing to me. But you know what? Same way. If I don't keep that tank full of fuel, it's useless. It won't do, it won't, it won't help me, and it don't help, help anybody else. I mean, I picked you both up in that Jeep tonight. Otherwise, your butts would have been walking here, right? Like, think about it, right? But you aren't. Why? Because somebody blessed me with that Jeep, and it's a blessing, and it's a gift given to me. I didn't earn that gift, but God spoke to somebody to give it to me, and so they gave it to me, and as much as I didn't have to earn that gift, and it is a blessed blessing to have that gift, if I didn't keep fuel in it, it would be a useless gift, right? right? So think about it in the sense of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. You can't earn the gifts. They're gifts. But the gifts of the Holy Ghost will not operate or continue to operate if there's not one, a continuous flow of power from the source and holiness. I mean, He is called the Holy Spirit. 
And so he's looking for a holy vessel to operate through. So it's a gift. These nine gifts are gifts of the Holy but they actually belong to him. They're gifts of the Holy Ghost. They belong to him. He can distribute them when and how he wants. As, I, as we talked last week, it is our every single believer's right to every gift. The Holy Ghost lives in you. You baptize in the Holy Ghost. It is your right to every gift. But ultimately, they're his gifts. And he's going to look for somebody that stays continuously plugged in to the power source and walks a holy life to use. Consider it. We, we already looked at first, uh, or at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, or I already you know, quoted it. Go with me to 1 Corinthians tra- chapter 12. Let's look at this real quick. <clears throat> and so even though, like I, I used two just very simple and ordinary physical gifts that I received... There takes things to, to make those gifts useful to me and useful to others. Amen. It's the same way with the gifts of the Holy Ghost. So if we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Classic. <clears throat> that is when I get there. It, verse 1 says this. Now, about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments of supernatural energy, brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. Drop down to verse 4. Now, there are distinctive varieties and distributions of endowments or gifts. And they vary. But the Holy Spirit remains the same. And there are distinctive varieties of service and ministration, but it's the same Lord who has served. And there are distinctive varieties of operation, of working to accomplish things, but it's the same God who inspires and energizes them all in all. But to each one, you are in each one, I'm in each one, right? To each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for good and profit. I believe in the King James, it says, for the profit with all, for all, to profit all. So to each one, that's why each one of us as born again believers of God, baptized in the Holy Ghost, have a right to every single gift. Because to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for good and profit, to profit with all. So these gifts belong to the Holy Spirit. They don't belong to me. Last week I shared about the fact that when I started in in the things of the Spirit, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I was basically taught this because this was the understanding of the people that people, every person, they they got a gift or maybe two. You know what I mean? Um, Pastor Peter would operate in the gift of prophecy and the word of knowledge. You know what I mean? Those were his gifts. No, they're gifts of the Holy Ghost. And Holy Ghost, and I learned later on, you know, and that's this so-and-so operating the gifts of healing, in particular healing the deaf and, 
blind eyes or whatever. You know what I mean? And people, this, this person operates, this evangelist operates powerfully and a working of miracles. Fantastic, you know, and, and all of that stuff. But the problem with that is that when we say that, that this person only operates in this gift and this person only operates in this, then we deny the fact that the fullness of God lives in each one of us as believers. And the ability for the Holy Ghost to use us in every situation to meet the needs of the hurting, helpless, and hopeless world around us. Right? If Pastor Peter showed up to somebody out on the street and, and you know, um, they're dying of cancer, a word, you know, a word in tongues and interpretation, unless that word in tongues and interpretation was get up, get up and be healed, that ain't going to do them any good, right? And so what I learned later on was it's the gift that is needed is the most important gift at the time. And since the gifts are distributed for the good and profit of all, then the Holy Ghost wants to distribute and use whatever gift is needed at the moment. That's why in the same meeting that someone could be preaching or teaching the word of God and they're preaching it under the, what I would call a prophetic anointing because really if you're really plugged in the Holy Ghost, every time you preach and teach, you're operating under a prophetic anointing. All right? A gift of prophecy to a certain extent. Not like prophet prophecy. But you know what I mean? Because you're speaking forth prophetically the word of God in a way that will charge people to get up out of their pew and get excited for what God says. Amen? And so, you know, preacher will say, I'll prophesy to you tonight. That's what they mean, right? They're using the gift of prophecy based on the written word of God and what the Spirit is saying at that moment. From this day forward, you're going to walk out of that darkness and every day after, you're going to serve God in the light. Amen? Or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying. And so, but the reality is that then there could be somebody else sitting there that, you know, they... they they need to have their ears opened or they need cancer to be gone or, you know, they, what, they need some hope or whatever it is. So the Holy Spirit is always going to operate. He can operate practically unilaterally all at the same time and meet every person's need. Amen. And so, but this reality <clears throat> is that there are his gifts. He uses me in the gifts or you in the gifts as he sees fit. And as I yield myself, or you yield yourself to his continual power and work in you. Like, look at verse 11. All these gifts, achievements, abilities are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit who apportions to each person individually exactly as he chooses. Not saying that, well, you get the, you get the gift of prophecy, you get the gift of miracles, you get... You know, working in miracles, you get the gifts of healing. You get, no, but as he, he, as he chooses. But I think the choosing, if we continue, we're going to look at a couple more scriptures here, has to do with us, our willingness to yield to the continual power of the Holy Ghost and his work in us. Amen? Amen. We have nine gifts of the Spirit. Galatians, we have nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as we allow that fruit to become evident in our life, then we become vessels that are capable to be used by Him. Now, I have a right to each of these nine gifts. You have a right to each of these nine gifts. But 
we must be vessels worthy to release this power. Right? Acts 1.8, we read it. Or we didn't read it, I quoted it. Well, at least I quoted Amanda's version. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be my witnesses. Right? So the power's there. The power's there. If the power's there and every born-again believer baptized in the Holy Ghost, then how come they ain't releasing it? What holds people back from releasing it? Sometimes it's because they don't know, right? It's the truth that you know that'll set you free. It's you can't have faith for something you don't know. It's if you know it, then you're more likely going to release it. I also think it's because of teaching, going back to what I said, it's the truth that you know. Because this is how I was taught when I began to grow up, when I was a babe in the things of the Spirit, after being baptized, is that every person has a gift, but don't expect to be used by all, in all gifts. Don't, you know, and so if that's what you think, then you don't really pursue after you just figure God's just going to, boom, give you what, what, you know. But that, this is what I've learned over the years in studying the scripture. People don't read. <laughs> and they don't read the word. <laughs> because if you look, Let's just look at a couple of scriptures. First Corinthians 12, verse 31. Okay, First Corinthians 12, verse 31. Now, Sherry, you have a King James Version Bible. What does that verse say in King James? But covet earnestly. Is that what you said? The best gifts. All right, now read 1 Corinthians 14, 1 in the King James. And desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. And this is one of the reasons why I think many believers do not operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Because they just think... You, if you go back to verse 11, which I read a while ago, it says, And these gifts are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he chooses. Well, they take that as, well, whatever the Holy Ghost wants me to have, and whenever he, then, then he's just going to give it to me. But when you take 1 Corinthians 12.31 and 1 Corinthians 14.1, that is not the whole of the story. This is why I say, I found that most Christians don't read. <laughs> And they only read what they want, and, and they read with tinted glasses. They read from with with the glasses on of their whatever denomination they grew up in, or whatever they've been taught. They don't actually take off every preconceived idea and notion of the Word of God and read what the Word of God says, because He says here, "But earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces." So yes, the Holy Spirit will portion as he chooses, but how is he going to portion? For the good and profit of all. But who is he going to give it to? The ones that earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the gifts. Amen? Those are the ones he's going to give it to. Not the ones that say, okay, well, if he wants to use me, well, here I am. No, that's, that's, that's not how it is, right? Jesus did, you know, he didn't say, well, when you feel an unction to go preach the gospel, then go. He said, go and preach. 
right? And so it's the same way with the gifts. If you look over in 1 Corinthians again, 14, 1, now the Amplified Classic, where eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts. These are the people that operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Those that zealously uh, desire, pursue, cultivate the gifts. Those are the ones that operate in it. When you compare the people that are full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in the Holy Ghost, can speak in tongues, and how many of them actually use any of the nine gifts, you'd be surprised how many don't ever. Never. Never. And you know why? I believe is because they don't desire to. They don't pursue it. They don't understand that they have a part to play in it. Yes, the Holy Ghost is going to portion, but he already says the gifts are given for the good and profit of all. So he's not going to withhold. No good thing does he withhold from those right who walk uprightly um, with him. He's not going to withhold good things. He's just not that way. Jesus, how God was with, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and fire. Well, with the Holy Ghost and power. Let me get it right. And he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Acts 10, 38. Right? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And what did he do? He went about doing good. You don't got to be told to go about and do good and to operate in the gifts when you've been anointed with the gifts to go about and do good and heal all who are oppressed by the devil. You see what I'm saying? But people are waiting. They're waiting for the unction. And so I think early on, because 1 Corinthians 14, 1 is what spoke to me is right after I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and I began to read about the gifts of the Spirit. This is the one I jumped on. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy. I'm like, that's what I want. I want to prophesy, Lord. I want to prophesy. I want to pro I had no idea what that meant, but that's what I wanted to do because he told me I should earnestly desire it. So guess what he did? Because I earnestly desire it, he gave me an unction. He gave me this feeling on the inside to begin to speak something. I'm going, this is weird, right? right? And I started getting these like butterflies and this weird thing going on in my belly, right? And when I learned to be obedient to that, then you know what I did? Every time I spoke at the unction of the Holy Ghost, I was cultivating it. So every time I did it, I was preparing myself for more times to do it. But the more I did it, the less I needed the butterflies and the woo feeling on the inside that said, you better say this, Amanda. And now I don't ever need that. Because I just walk in the Spirit. And I use the gifts as the Spirit. Because you just know. Why? Because me and Him are one. Are one. Right? And so, yes, I think when you're a babe in the things of the Spirit, you're going to need a little encouragement. But I think people that are 30 years in the things of God and never used a gift of the Spirit or haven't done it for 25 years is because they never cultivated it. 
They ignored the Holy Ghost every time he tried to get them to do something. Every time he tried to get them to lay hands on the sick. Every time he tried to get them to pray a miracle and work a miracle over that person. Every time he tried to get them to speak a message in tongues and then interpret that tongue. Every time he called them to preach or teach a word from the pulpit that was going to be prophetically equipping people to do what they were called to do. They just hushed him. And then wonder why there's no living, thriving relationship with the Holy Ghost. Right? It's a gift. If you don't use that thing, it don't matter how good of a gift it is, it's useless to you and it's useless to everyone around you. Amen? Amen. Think about it. Now, as I was saying, I have a right to each of the gifts, you have a right to each of the gifts, but... We have to be vessels that are worthy to release the power. The power of God is in us because he's in, the power of God is in in me because he lives in me. And I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. But the power is his. And I'm just a vessel. The power in you is his. You're just a vessel. The power in you is his. You're just a vessel. And so what he's looking for are pure and holy vessels to carry and release that power. The greater a level of anointing that you're going to walk in, the more responsibility and margin and the decrease in the margin of error. Does that make sense? And this is why people never get to the place to really allow fullness of the power of God. It's not because the power isn't there. The Holy Ghost didn't enter Pastor Peter partially. He didn't just give him his pinky finger off of his right hand, right? No, the Holy Ghost lives in him. But the release of power isn't based on the amount of power that's in there. It's it's based on the purity and the yielding, not just purity, but the yielding of the vessel And the yielding is a process. Because knowledge, or how how do I want to say it? Power without knowledge is a very dangerous thing. And so the release of that power is going to come incrementally based on the knowledge you gain about the truth of God's word and how much you yield yourself to that. Does that make sense? Am I making any sense or am I just... hmm. Because the power's there. But the greater level of anointing that you're going to operate in, remember, the anointing is there. The Holy Ghost is full there. But when I say greater level of anointing is how much release of that is going to be based on you. One, the holiness you walk in, but two, the level of understanding and knowledge you get. Because the greater the level of anointing that you operate in, the smaller the margin for error is. If you're going to set off a nuclear bomb, if you're going to set off some, you know, by satellite, you're going to send some rocket, you know, whatever, 20,000 miles away, you better be dang accurate. Because if not, a whole lot of people are going to die because you're not very accurate. You see what I'm saying? Right? So the greater the, the, the power to be released, then the less margin there is for, for error. So God incrementally releases his power in us. Let me put it this way. Through us. Through us. In this 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 
verses 16 through 18, right? In the Amplified Classic, it says, But when anyone turns to the Lord in repentance, the veil is removed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But each one of us, as we continue to behold the glory of the Lord in the Word of God as in a mirror, are continually transfigured into His very same image and likeness from glory to glory because this is, this is what the Spirit does because the Lord is Spirit. Amen? We're... we're Transfigured from glory to glory. What is glory? Power, presence, light, splendor, right? We're transfigured from glory to glory. And every level of glory has a new release of power in our lives. Amen? Because he has to transfigure us incrementally. Because if he released all this power through us at one time, we'd be dead. We'd be in so many little atoms. There would... We, we wouldn't even be able to pick it up. It'd be so, we'd be blown in so many little pieces. That's why not one of us can carry, though we have the fullness of God in of us, in each one of us, why not one of us can have the fullness of that power released to us? Because it'll destroy us. Then it ain't good for nobody. Not just you, but it ain't good for anybody else. Over the years, I know, I know through here, reading Dr. Sumrall's book on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he actually points out over, over the centuries, men used by God powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit, and it ended up destroying them. Because what usually happens is that then they rely on the gift and forget the giver. They get so caught up in the power, they forget about their character. And any vessel that doesn't remain pure with that much power operating, flowing through it is going to blow up, is going to dissipate, is going to disappear, right? And so God is most concerned about you. So um, he wants you to understand that the gifts are there and they're there for your operation, but it's his power and we're just a vessel. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts, so as to beam forth the light of illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God, as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. However, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we possess this precious treasure the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth. I think the New Living Translation says common clay jars. That the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. So see, there's an exceeding great power in us, but it's His power, it isn't ours. And when we begin to think that it's ours and we begin to, to, to get you know, all up, then the vessel that's carrying that power, that that power is releasing, becomes destroyed. We're just the vessel. We're nothing but common clay jars. Common clay jars cannot stand up to the full power of God Almighty if that common clay jar don't realize it is just a common clay jar. Amen. 
And so we got to keep perspective, perspective. It's his power. We ain't nothing apart from him. We can do absolutely nothing. Amen. It's his power and we have to keep that perspective. And then go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Again, the power is there and their gifts that are given. But God is not going to release the fullness of those gifts in vessels he can't trust. And when he has over the years, because God can't go back on what his word says, it's destroyed many, many people. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 19 through 22. But the firm foundation of God stands sure and unshaken, bearing this seal of inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and that everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord give up all iniquity and stand aloof from it. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also utensils of wood and earthenware, and some for honorable and noble use, and some for menial and ignoble use. Look, they're not only vessels of gold and silver. I want to be a vessel of gold and silver, amen? Not just a utensil of wood and earthenware. Some for honorable and noble use, and some for menial and ignoble use. Verse 21, so whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, and separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences will then himself be a vessel set apart and useful for honorable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the master, fit and ready for any good work. So there's a process we must walk through. And one of the things that I've found in my life as, as a believer, and then from the time that the Lord called me into ministry, as many times as I wanted to speed up the process. And yes, there are things that we can do that enhance the speed of the process, right? The more we spend the time with the Lord in His Word, we're going to speed that up. The more time we spend in anointed services where the Spirit of God is moving and the Word of God is preached, we're going to, we're going to speed that up. The more we stand in front of great men and women that carry the power of God at greater levels and measures and get impartation through their teaching, through their preaching, through their laying on of hands, or whatever it is, then we can speed that up. But there are some things that we cannot speed up because God is going to test our faith at every level because he doesn't want the gift to destroy you and me. He doesn't want the power to destroy the work he has for us to do on this earth. He wants the power to glorify him and to produce lasting fruit that we're going to have crowns for when we get to heaven. Amen. Amen. And so it's important to understand that yes, they're gifts. And we as believers, born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost, have a right to every one of them. But he's looking for vessels that are prepared for that power to flow through them. Who never get high and mighty. That never forget they're just a vessel. And the power belongs to him. His power can't just flow through any vessel. Now, let me just look here real quick. Boy, I've been talking a long time. Imagine there. Let me just read this real quick out of Lester Sumrall. The nine gifts of the Spirit are as distinct as the seven lamps of the golden 
lampstand in the temple in Jerusalem and as individuals, the nine fruit of the Spirit that blossom in our lives. Yet they're so linked and interlinked by the Holy Spirit that it's sometimes difficult to determine exactly which gift is in manifestation. At times there might be the working of miracles, at other times the gifts of healing. For this reason, I admonish you to avoid a heavy emphasis on definitions. Definitions can cause separation among the people, and the devil would love to have us quarrel over definitions. Arguments can arise between two people who actually believe the same thing, but are defining it differently. <laughs> Let's be careful to be courteous and remain in love. How a person is healed, whether through the working of miracles, the gifts of healing, or the gift of faith, really is not the issue. The important thing is that the person is healed. Amen. The following are brief definitions of each gift of the Holy Spirit. The word of wisdom is the revealing of the prophetic future under the anointing of God. In the Old Testament, every seer, which is a former term for prophet, and every prophet who foretold the future was endowed with this gift. A word of God's wisdom is just that, a word. When God gives you a word of His wisdom, He gives only a fragment. The same is true with the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is the revealing of a fact in existence that can only be supernaturally revealed. It cannot be seen or heard or known naturally. This is the difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. The word of knowledge is a revelation of the fact that already exists, where the word of wisdom is a revelation of the future. Daniel was operating a word of wisdom when he said there would be a Persian empire, Grecian empire, and a Roman empire. And at that time, those empires had not been born. Um, Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. operates strongly in a word of knowledge in cooperation with... with uh, with, work, with gifts of healing oftentimes in people's life. You'll see him do that. As well as I've seen him do it with prophetic words that he's getting the gifts of prophecy that he'll give people. And their eyes get as round as the quarters when they say, he says something. He says, he might say something along, you've got this bedside table at your house and it's this color and you, it, it's got a drawer in the top and if you open that drawer, there's this and they're like, what? Right? You know what I mean? It's a word of knowledge. A knowledge is a word, um, is a revelation of a fact that already exists. Those things already exist. Where wisdom is giving you future. I like what um, Dr. Summerall says. We've got to remember, word. It's a word of wisdom. A word. Of, it's not the fullness. It's just a fragment. A fragment. So we always have to understand that. Especially if someone... If a man or woman of God speaks over us, a gift of prophecy, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, whatever, it's just a word. It's in part. And it's our responsibility to take it to the Lord and, and measure. They should really, really just confirm a portion of what we already know. And we should be able to put it together with the written word of God and what the Holy Spirit says. The discerning of spirits has to do with the com comprehending of the human spirit, supernaturally revealed by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> with this gift you can look straight through a person and know whether or not he's telling the truth <laughs> that's for sure the gift of faith is God's bringing to pass a supernatural change no human effort is involved on the other hand the, work, the gift of the working of miracles does work through a human instrument it is a person doing a supernatural act by the divine energy of the Holy Spirit I'm leaving some of this out because as much as I appreciate and honor Dr. Summerall, I don't agree with all of it, okay? And I may be wrong, and I'm okay with that, but I'm just leaving some of it out. So, <laughs> An excellent example is Samson barehandedly killing a lion. That was a miracle. In the gifts of healing, God supernaturally heals the sick through a ministry anointed by the Holy Spirit. 
A person is given a gift from the Spirit of God to pray for a particular kind of sickness or disease. There are many ways to be healed. This includes only a small portion of them. There might be as many gifts as there are diseases, and this is why the term is in plural form. The gift of tongues is a ministry of proclaiming in a public meeting a message from God in a language not understood by the person giving it. Because he has not studied that language and does not know it, he does not give it from his mind but from his spirit. And when a message in tongues has been given, then the interpretation tongues of in tongues goes into operation. The message that has been given in another language is interpreted. Now, that's interpreted, not translated. It's not a word-for-word translation. Sometimes someone will give a message in tongues, and it may have been like what seemed like, you know, uh, 12 words. And then someone gives an interpretation, and it's like five minutes long. Or, or the other way around. Someone may give a word in tongues that's like, seems like three minutes, but the interpretation's like three sentences, right? Because right? it's not a translation, it's an interpretation. Right. And likewise, someone can give a message in tongues, and two people can give um, interpretations of that tongue, and the interpretation word for word will be different, but the spirit... And the idea of that interpretation will be exactly the same. We've had, I've had that happen here before, actually, more than one time. Someone is given a message in tongues, and um, as, as pastor, I've always made it my habit that if someone gives a message in tongues and they don't immediately follow it up with interpretation, it's my job to do it. Because otherwise, something's out of order. You know what I mean? And so, so the Lord has always graced me with that. Why? Because the gifts are given for good and profit of all. So if it ain't going to profit people, it shouldn't be done, right? And so as pastor, it's my job to make certain that that stays lined out. And so I've had in the past, someone gave a message in tongues and they didn't follow it with interpretation. I gave an interpretation and then someone else gave interpretation. The example that I gave and the example he gave were two different things, but they meant the exact same thing. So... It was, it was a good tongue and good interpretations because they aren't translations, they're interpretations. Amen? Amen. And so that's an important thing. <clears throat> and then the gift of prophecy is the anointed speaking forth the words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Words supernaturally given to the church from God. And then one last thing I want to share with you. Boy, I talked a lot tonight. That's a real surprise. I know y'all are completely surprised by it. The gift of faith. This is what Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, he says, if, if he had to choose a gift, this is the one that he does not want to be without. He says, uh, Howard Carter exhorts on the importance of the gift of faith. Yes, the gift of faith is the greatest manifestation of the three gifts of, of power. Faith versus the working of miracles and gifts of healing. It definitely calls into operation the powers of the world to come, uniting angels with men for the accomplishment of the divine purpose. And then, Evangelist Ted Shelsworth Sr. says, The church's greatest need is the gift of faith. The spirit of Antichrist is manifesting all around the world, and doubts and fears are everywhere, unbelief and dismay as well. The devil knows his time is short. 
Our prayer is open the windows of heaven, increase our faith, give us God's faith. Then we will be able to operate in this gift of faith, which raises the dead, gives personal protection, brings supernatural provision, and helps to cast out devils. And he gives a definition, definition for the gift of faith is the ability given by the Spirit to the believer to receive the faith of God in the present moment for supernatural provision and protection. It is God in you, believing through you and for you. That's good. That's a good definition. That's a really good definition. So let me just finish it with this. And the very first one that we did, the very uh, first introduction to knowing full of the Holy Spirit. We broke, I broke the nine gifts down into the three distinct categories. The three gifts that help us to speak like God. The three gifts that help us to speak like God. Utterance gifts, some people um, call them inspiration gifts. But they help us to speak like God. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. The three gifts that help us to think like God. The revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And then the three gifts that help us to act like God, which are the power gifts, the gift of faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healing. Amen? I truly hope this podcast has inspired you to hunger for the Lord and the Word of God like never before and brought heaven's perspective into your life. My desire is to help you take your eyes off the natural and to see things the way God sees them. And as you do, you will walk in victory in every area of your life. So I want to give you an opportunity to sow into the work we are doing here at Kingdom Increase Church for the kingdom of God. We are truly contending for revival, not only um, in our region here in Jerseyville, Jersey County, Illinois, and the surrounding counties of Calhoun, Madison, McCoupin, and Green, but we are truly contending to see revival sweep across the church in the state of Illinois. And when true revival, true revival hits the church in the state of Illinois, it will result in the light of Christ shining so bright through his body that the spiritually dead will awaken. So I want to give you an opportunity. We're doing it in many ways here um, at Kingdom Increase Church as we're led of the Lord. If you want to know what's going on um, with our church, the best way to find out is to hop onto our Facebook page, Kingdom Increase Church. Um, you'll find us uh, what's going on every week. We have Sunday service at 10 a.m. every Sunday and midweek service every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. We also have prayer at different times and different various services at different times. So check our Facebook page. Um, our web, we have a web page, but it's in a transition and a revamping right now. Um, but you can go to our webpage, kingdominchurch.com and click on give, uh, and you'll have a safe way to be able to sow um, your financial seed into the work we're doing here. Obviously, um, you can mail um, a check to Kingdom Increase Church, 400 South Washington Street in Jerseyville, Illinois, 62052. Um, you can also text to give. Our text to give number is 618-212-8004. Again, our text to give number is 618-212-8004. And if you'll just 
pop in that number and then in your message, put the dollar amount that you want to give. And as you do, you'll be prompted to enter your information. Then from that point on, um, that it'll be easy just to drop your dollar amount in there and send it. Also, you can give to us um, via cash app. It's dollar sign, capital K, capital I, capital C, 365. Again, cash app is dollar sign, capital K, capital I, capital C, 365. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for every person that listens to this podcast. It truly is my heart's desire for them uh, to see their life from heaven's perspective, to see what you see and to say what you say concerning it, Father God. And for each person that sows a financial seed into the work of the ministry we're doing here at Kingdom Increase Church, Father God, I believe and stand that on your word that they will receive a hundredfold return hallelujah, on every seed that they sow. As we're going after the harvest to see souls saved, lives changed, and disciples made, I thank you, Lord, that this is good ground to sow into. I thank you for every person that listens and every person that sows financial seed. And I give you glory for them. Bless them, Father God. Bless them. Bless them everywhere they go and in everything they do. In Jesus' name, amen.